Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Dicebreaker podcast. This is episode three. We've done it. We've made it this far. <laughs> We've lasted a whole three weeks of not being in the same room with each other, but discussing over the internet. Uh, I am Matt Jarvis. I'm the editor-in-chief of Dicebreaker. And today I'm joined by three of the team. I'm joined by Johnny Chiardini, head of video for Dicebreaker. How are you doing, Johnny? Hello. Uh, yeah, I'm good. If if this podcast were a human child and was three, it would be walking around by now. Isn't it just What's amazing? Po- podcast age in human years. Is it like a cat where you have to be going like seven seven years of podcasting is one year of human time? I think it depends on the podcast because I've listened to some where one episode feels like a decade. <laughs> but Shade. not this one. Am I right, Shade. listeners? <laughs> well, let's not hope three episodes in. <laughs> wow, we've, all, we've, we've only done three episodes and yet we've got a decade of content. Uh, <laughs> We're also joined by Alex Meehan. Hello there, Mr. Jarvis. How you doing? If, if we've reached episode three, does that mean either it's going to be better than the second one or completely tank? Like, of course, <laughs> I, I, it always has to be better. As yeah, soon as it, it's the either following re- episode's not better. That's it. We stop. Mm. It's either a Revenge of the Sith situation or it's a Godfather free situation. Wow! Like, we we've got to be we've got to keep trying to get better or we're gonna tank no pressure then yeah great (laughs) the two two fantastic movies referenced there and at Um, one point you'll stand on a cliff over me and i'll be like oh no and you'll be like i've got the high ground well good news is there's not just three of us we're straight into episode four of people uh it's it's dice breakers a new hope it's alex lowly that was an amazing yeah. intro thank you um yeah i'm so happy to finally make it woo, woo, episode three um i feel like there's a lot of pressure for this episode to be good because i feel like if this episode does flunk it's all down because to me so please don't make this episode terrible hey listen you know they always introduce new characters in like the third installment but Mm. you know if the franchise is tired that's not your fault but again it remains to be seen i believe in this podcast Mm. even though yeah yeah it's fine we jumped the shark in episode one so (laughs) now we're just you know skiing open and free yeah so uh we hope everyone's doing all right out there uh, in the ongoing. We're recording this um, a little earlier than usual, actually. We're recording it in the middle of April because uh, we've got quite a busy week ahead. But um, we are still in the grand scheme of things in the middle of the, the COVID-19 pandemic. So hope everyone's staying safe out there. Uh, and hopefully, hey, we'll give you an hour or so of kind of just chill yeah. conversation about board games. Good Probably times. not discussing the latest board game news because it turns out there's not very much of it. Um, so let's we'll go start to off. the before times. <laughs> Uh, let's start off with quite extended conversation about what you've been playing. Uh, let's start with uh, with this episode's newcomer. Let's start with Lolis. What have you been playing, Lolis? Um, right. So I've been playing just some of my like favorite games. I guess um, obviously, like Tabletop Simulator has been an absolute godsend in these times. So I've been playing Quacks of Quedlinburg quite a lot, um, especially because. Uh, well, I've been intru- introducing it to some people who I haven't introduced it to in the past, and they've all grown as addicted as I have, which has been great because it's anytime it's like, do you want to play a game? Quacks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everyone's like, yeah, quacks, quacks, quacks. Um, and it's also such a good game to play. Like, you can play it as a two player game, and it doesn't really matter if it's two, three, or four. Um, so I've just like often found myself with 
uh, one girl in particular who essentially isn't working at the moment, just being like, yeah, let's have a lunchtime game or whatever. So a lot nice. of quacks. I'm playing some patchwork as well. Um, and Scrabble. A lot of Scrabble with my mom. Wow. Like <laughs> yeah. full, like proper Scrabble Scrabble or like words with friends Scrabble or something No, like, like the proper Scrabble app. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Um, which has been really good because like, today I... Um, was it today or last night? It was either this morning before work or it was last night just as I was going to bed. But wrote my first seven letter word got like 70 odd points that was exciting what was the word smuggler or smuggles nice might have been eight letters but i used all seven of mine um but yeah it was good good times mm. <laughs> i uh my mum, um who lives on her own uh i've i've been kind of video calling with her obviously because of everything going on uh and i've been trying to throw up suggestions of things we can do together i was like mm. oh let's play words with friends you know you know, you like word games. She was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's do that. So I installed the app, downloaded it, did all of that, played the first word. She then continued to ignore me for two weeks until I won by timeout. Oh, and no. that's been my experience of words with friends with my mum. <laughs> my mum's really good. Like, because it's the same. My mum lives alone. So um, it was like, do you want to, do you want to game a Scrabble? And it turned out she was already playing Scrabble. She just hadn't invited me. So that was nice. Um, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> God, like, does every, it's like, is Scrabble just now a vehicle for parents to dunk on their own kids is that, is that what it is in these, these trying it's, times it's always been that <laughs> my own mum was talking to me today and she was like Alec have you heard of this thing called Zoom and oh. I was like <laughs> also she's discovered what a gif is oh so, uh, good times yeah yeah she sent me one and i was like that's a gif mum she was like what what is this <laughs> like it one of those um oh what are those like oh what what does this mean what are the kids saying yeah oh yeah, my mum's yeah. quite good actually um we, we we zoom like once a week the whole family and uh so i've been doing like all the funny backgrounds of course uh, especially with the green screen <laughs> Um, I mean, it's coming in very useful, that green screen. But um, I've been like, what, the first one was quite good because my brother wasn't able to join us. So I like put my brother on the green screen. And I was like, he's here. It's, it's fine. He's here. And it's just like him standing on a mountain skiing somewhere. <laughs> uh, yeah. My my parents are pretty savvy, but I had a video call with like my whole family. And my parents both joined the same Zoom meeting separately. And I like, and then they could obviously hear one another through their mics because they were in the same room and I was like okay so we did about five minutes of tech setup before I just eventually went do you want to just sit together on the sofa maybe yes. <laughs> oh my fun. god that exact same thing happened just this weekend gone with my, my boyfriend's parents and they um we all had, had like di- um some was a uh, Easter dinner together oh. and um like it was so funny because they had their own like camera set up uh, and then she it was like his mom kept getting up from her seat and going over and like looking in like the, into her the dad's phone and just like kept walking into his square and it was really funny to, to watch them just like walking across into each other's squares uh, that could become a, a, a hit board game in its own right if you ask me <laughs> yeah. try and have a zoom video call with in- your parents invaders from planet zoom <laughs> Coming soon to Tabletop Sim. <laughs> Alex Meehan, moving Hello. on to you. What have you been playing? Okay, well, let's get this out of the way first. Uh, Scythe, obviously. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the digital version of Scythe. Yes, now that that's done, uh, the obligatory Scythe mention. Mm-hmm. 
regular um, regular listeners of the previous two episodes of in existence of this podcast yeah we'll we'll know of this recurring bit wherein alex Meehan plays scythe yeah we call this like 300 episodes from now you're still just playing scythe <laughs> this is the problem i've locked myself into a hole now like i have to now play scythe Good every to be week in. it's great i love that game Oh, I'm not complaining. Mm. I've played quite a lot of it. I'm still not very good. But it's a story of human improvement, you know? Mm. Like, it's it's an inspiring story, I like to think, to the listeners and the viewers, that gradually, maybe, just maybe over the next how many episodes of this podcast I do, I might actually win a game of Scythe. It's a real Cinderella but... story, yeah. <laughs> But I don't know how long that's actually... I'm going to have to measure it in podcast episodes. <laughs> are you playing it with lots of different people or always the same people? I've only... I've played it once with Mr. Jarvis and that didn't go too well. Okay. Um, and then I've played it... I've played it quite a few times with two of my friends who have played it a lot. Okay. Uh, and, you know, they keep saying, well, we played it so much. That's why we're better than you. And I was like... I don't know. I don't know whether it's that or whether I'm just making some really bad mistakes. Like last time I didn't even build a single mech and I was like, ooh, maybe that, that wasn't a great idea. That is definitely a choice. <laughs> but the, <laughs> the thing I love about Scythe is that you can approach victory from any angle. Um, going through the whole game without building a second mech arguably could you could say that you're approaching victory from the wrong angle. But there are oh. plenty of other things you can be doing, like upgrades are great, for example. Like, I always try and upgrade my board fully. I think that's just really pleasing. It Basically, it depends on the lower half of the board you're randomly dealt. Because sometimes you'll be like, all right, here we go. I'm Russia. I know what to do. And then you get 20 minutes in, you're like, this. my strategy was wrong for this particular board. So don't beat yourself up, man. Yeah, I mean, when you said you didn't get your second mech, I, I said I didn't get a single mech like the entire game uh because i was working towards an objective and then halfway through i realized that my friend was coming over and pinching all my resources and i literally couldn't do anything oh, about no. it my poor workers were just standing there having their livelihood stolen from them and i'm just there shrugging going well uh, i mean <laughs> we've got this nice structure here i mean isn't that great look guys? we've got a granary yeah <laughs> All right, so, I want to play this game now. You've convinced me. Oh, mate, so oh, amazing. No, Let's play it tonight. It's really good. <laughs> Even though I've been losing at it constantly, for some reason I just keep wanting to play it anyway. So I guess that's a good sign. That's a, um, that's a sign of a good game, I think, yeah. Other than that, I've been playing... Um, I played Wavelength last week on the stream with the these two lovely individuals. Hello. Uh, not Mr. Jarvis. He's lovely yeah, though as well. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, wavelength was fun. Yes. Yeah. Um, was that the first time you played it, Johnny? Yes. Um, so a bit of a weird scenario playing it over tabletop simulator while also trying to run a live stream, and I was collaborating with the audience, so they would they would sort of work out my guesses for me. Um, but so I, I'll be honest with you toward the end it felt like the game was starting to drag for me but I think if I was actually holding the physical object and, and manipulating that and playing with some friends where we could just sort of be let our hair down be you know a bit unguarded or, or whatever 
Uh, I think I would enjoy it a lot more, but it's a, it's a neat concept. Like, it's nice and simple. It's a good gateway game, I think. Hmm. Would you say it wasn't rowdy enough for you, Mr. Akini? Um, oh, I don't know. I don't know about rowdy or rambunctious. No, it, like, it was fun. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine you're meant to play it for two hours. Yeah. Straight. Yeah. Um... It's, I think it's a good filler game. It's good, like, you know, if you've been playing something really heavy and you want to do something quick and easy. Hmm. I think it's one of those games as well, like, um, it can lead to some interesting discussions. Like, the sexy Pokemon thing was... Uh, <laughs> Was definitely one of the most memorable cars that we played, um, yeah. and it definitely led to some interesting discussions. But yeah, I think that's like the main thing about that game is is, is the discussions that follow the cards because obviously, like you're you're picking a word based on your own perception of something, and then it's like everyone being able to discuss that perception and and dunk on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> much like yeah. printer cartridges. Oh my god, yeah. cartridges. <gasps> oh I my thought, god. <laughs> yeah, so it was uh it, the the swing was from irreplaceable to replaceable or back and forth and it was things that were like slightly more replaceable than not. And Matt Jarvis suggested uh ink cartridges for printers. And uh, everyone was like, "Wait, oh. wait, hold on! Don't pin this it's on Steve. me. I did not suggest that. <laughs> I thought it was your suggestion. No, I suggested members of the Wu Tang Clan, which was oh, yeah. shot down by the team because we didn't know. Oh, sorry, yeah. yeah. Try and um, pin your, your crimes against wavelength on me. <laughs> well, it was, it, but the, anyway, the clue ended up being ink cartridges. It did not come from the brain of Matt Jarvis. It turns out. Um, but everyone was like, "Oh, super, super replaceables! Like, yeah, well, those things are expensive, man." They're costly. Mm. Anyway. We didn't know. Yeah. The Alexes didn't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't own a printer. No, mate. me neither. Well, then uh, then you're saving approximately £4,000 a year, let me tell you. <laughs> I do think the, the fun of that game, though, is in something like that, where it's like there's disagreement about just kind of how far that scale yeah. goes from left to right. Mm-hmm. Because I, So I've, I actually as well as jumping in the chat during our stream, I then played Wavelength over the weekend, but the co-op mode mm. um, with a couple of friends. So essentially it's just, we were taking turns giving clues and depending on where you score, you then get points and you might earn an, another card and you go for as long as you can before you oh. run out of cards. But um, there was something that was like temporary versus permanent. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember who said what, but the the discussion was basically like, oh, did they mean permanent as in permanent could be something that, like a tattoo, you know, a tattoo is relatively permanent. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of the existence of the Earth and the galaxy, right. tattoos not particularly permanent. Yeah. So, like, there was a good bit of fun. So I wonder whether with a room full of people, it could be just like a fun debate machine almost. Yeah. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think that's it. Yeah. Because um, yeah, one of my I mean, favourite... Sorry, carry on. Uh, I was just going to say, Tabletop Simulator is does a really good job but it's never going to entirely replicate that feeling mm. of the atmosphere especially like party games oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh, i was Agreed. gonna say it, it feels like the best my favorite bits in codenames is when people really mess up and the, the argument becomes not about the specifics of the word but it's just an argument of why does your brain work that way mm-hmm. like where it's it, it's games like wavelength and codenames that give you a glimpse into other people's wiring and those like, that's never not fascinating. Yeah, it's like Mysterium as well. If you ever mm. play like I've been playing some Mysterium as well over the last few weeks on uh, Tabletop Sim, and it's uh, and I've been playing a lot with people at work. Um, so I like you know wouldn't necessarily have that same kind of 
uh, relationship with them as I would like with friends that I play board games with all the time, for example. Um, and so it's been interesting trying to figure out how people in the office are thinking and like, just you're like, what? This makes no sense. Or like, are you like considering the colors in this image? Are you like, why are you giving me this card? And mm. yeah, I got that same kind of feeling of um, of, of bringing a discussion and, and trying to figure out how some how people think. Um, Hmm. All right, Johnny. What have you been playing? I know at least one thing that you've been playing. Oh gosh. Oh uh, yeah. I'll go from from least impactful to most, I guess. Um, <laughs> I've been playing uh, some Deadlands. My office campaign uh, carries on. It contains both of the Alexes. Uh, they are great. Um, and I've played a bit of D and D. I'm still playing as a Tabaxi pirate, who's good fun. Uh, but my world has been taken over by diplomacy. Um, I started a game of... I don't know how long ago it was now. It feels like <laughs> a long time. I started a game with some friends. Um, we're playing a turn a day. I, so it's basically like... It, it's a, on a website called Backstabber or Backstabber. So it's like Grinder or those other websites. That, uh, or Tumblr or whatever. With it's just There's no E before the R. Uh, mm. That was convoluted. Um, but we're playing on this, this website and it simulates playing by post. So we resolve one set of orders a day and then you've got a little inbox where you can message other play players. Um, and there's also a sandbox mode where you can try out your moves and all this kind of stuff. So we are playing a super slowed down version of a game that is normally played over the course of about one afternoon. And it is incredible. Like, a lot of the people I'm playing with in this game uh, work in theatre... Uh, a few of them are, are, are professional actors, so obviously we're role-playing the hell out of it. So um, I'm playing as France. I started out as uh, President uh, Loubet, who was the actual president in 1901, but then Italy lied to me um, and screwed up one of my turns. So I released a press release that uh, President Loubet had died of a broken heart. Um, so now I'm President Eric Cantona. And uh, there's just been a lot of posturing, but um, at, at the time of recording, I am at war with both Germany and Italy, because Italy took Marseille off me, we brokered peace, and uh, they just immediately reneged on the deal and invaded me alongside Germany. So now all of Europe is up in flames. Uh, I'm checking Backstabber constantly to see if I need to write another in-character letter. Um, it's just wonderful. The only bad side about doing a game like this is when it doesn't work uh which will we'll sort of will neatly segue into matt's section here i think because we started playing in a game with some of my friends um good thing about professional actors is uh they're really fun at role playing bad thing is they can be really flaky so we managed i think two turns where one of them turkey forgot to submit orders italy wasn't replying to anyone's letters like at all they were putting in orders but they were bonkers like because in in um in diplomacy you can only move to an adjacent space um but from the way italy was playing you'd think they thought was the moon was an adjacent space like <laughs> it was just bizarre so unfortunately we canned that game uh, which is really annoying because i was playing as russia and matt was playing as uh as France, and we were exchanging some lovely letters, weren't we, Matt? Aww. Yeah, I think I so I love diplomacy, and I've played it in person, um, and and really enjoyed it, and kind of got into the character. But I actually think I think you found this as well, John. It's like playing it at that slow pace, but also just having 
the communication through press through what they call press so it's like letters or you know group letters or one-on-one mm. it just really gives you that ability to sink into the the fun kind of role playing of it because the game itself is not complicated it's it's you move pieces into spaces and if there's another piece you you need a piece to support you to take it over because everything is worth one so it's like risk if there were no dice rolls mm. and you had to support pieces to to take over new spaces so it's all it all just comes down to kind of the the relationships between people but yeah Johnny and I were just exchanging letters uh, I was the king of France. Yes. And you were the Tsar of Russia? Yeah, Tsar Nicholas II. Oh, classic. Um, and I was King Louis the XIV, so. I can't remember. I just picked Roman numerals that looked pretty on the page. Uh, yeah, because XIVI doesn't work. No, it doesn't make sense that would be... because I'm adding one and taking away one. Yeah. It would just be 15. So it would be Louis the Fourth. Yes, Louis the Fourteenth, Fourteenth and a half. I don't know. Yeah, Louis the yeah. Fifteenth. Um, but yeah, to 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 mark our friendship, he uh, he sent me a, a wheel of camembert and uh, a a very fine cheese knife. However, this being a time of peace, he removed the the blade and encouraged me to affix the handle to whatever I desired. So I put it on a bear. How lovely! Yeah. I love this idea of you two role playing a little. Uh, a little royal meetup. It's it's the uh, greatest thing. Like honestly, and everyone else just like <laughs> it's like wasteland war. Like they're all <laughs> they're all ignoring each other or doing little skirmishes without any communication. And you two are just like, well, hello. I rather enjoyed your cabin bear. That's pretty much it. I mean, the, yeah. the start of the game. If you're doing one turn every twenty four hours. The first move of the game, everyone's just moving to an adjacent space and grabbing a new supply city. But you do need to start making friends. And genuinely, when you're writing to people, the wrong tone can rub you up the wrong way. Like, I was playing with a friend who was just ignoring the things I was asking, even when they were quite pertinent, and being like, what are you doing? What, what are your moves? And it's like, I, I don't think you respect me or this, this friendship. So they're in line for a betrayal, quite frankly. Um, so it does feel stupid to just be like, you know, I am posting you the entirety of the Bolshoi opera and also two tons of caviar, which is what I sent somebody the other day. Um, it, 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 it's just is really important and fun, and I, I love it. Oh, I also sent somebody um, renounced tennis star uh, Anna Kornikova. <laughs> wow. <laughs> With instructions that she, while well, she. Early on in her career, enjoyed grass courts. She now prefers clay, which is accurate. I actually read up on her career. Um, but Matt, you've been playing since that disastrous game we had. You've been playing with some other people, right? I have, yes. Uh, I'm not going to say who I am in that game because I know that some of them listen to this podcast <gasps> and we're playing anonymously. Oh. I think because oh. so this was a friendship group that we played in person before. And although it was great fun and I loved it, uh, several of those friends then refused to ever play again. Um, until I convinced them to finally give backstab a go, and it was because I think diplomacy gets very well backstabby. Mm. Um, it all comes down to who teams up, and because it's very flexible, there's no kind of structure for forming alliances or betrayals. Yeah, it's just I moved here, you moved there, and it's all simultaneous, so you can't even see what's about to happen until it does. Um, 
that game ended in too many betrayals for some of the group and they did not care for it yes um so we're playing anonymously this time which is very funny because it ends up in another weird meta game of trying to work out who's who because russia uh the first message i received from russia in that game uh so i'm revealing i'm not russia but it just said uh new phone who dis and i replied uh my dear Western friend, or dear Eastern friend, uh, and kind of in this flowing, you know, early 20th century uh, letterhead. Um, so there's all that going on. Amazing. And then, even though, so the letters are just, like everything else, it's just you, whatever you want to write, you can affix a handle to a bear or send, uh, you know, the Bolshoi Ballet if you want. So um, in that game, Germany sent beer and meat uh, to everyone as kind of a peace offering at the start of the game and turkey replied obviously being an islamic country and said oh thank you thank you for these gifts but we've essentially we're not going to eat them so we've fed them to the dogs oh, or something yeah. like that Oy. so it's this weird again it's just people getting into it but it's mm. this really wonderful thing and for me as someone that has loved diplomacy for a number of years and has never really met anyone else that even knows of it this weird game from like 1959 it's been really wonderful to just see people get into it because of this website and just mm. really, really get into the character. So I am vastly enjoying it. Yeah, it this is. very much sounds like my kind of game. I think I really think we should play a game with you in it because you'd be brutal and brilliant. Um, I, I'm just glad that I'm enjoying it because when I played it in person, I didn't didn't like it. And while it is easy still easy to get upset when playing on backstabber like yesterday i was just sad because the betrayal i saw coming had happened and i was like i'm gonna get knocked out of this game and it just it bummed me out for a bit but there were no hard feelings with the people who'd done it i mean i did make videos of me lopping off their heads uh with a guillotine (laughs) in photoshop but that was just to try and get inside their heads you know like i'm not actually upset with them but oh it's a treat I'm having to resist the urge to check on Backstabber right now, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I just want to send endless letters. If if nothing else, I didn't even really care so much about the game anymore. I'm just enjoying the kind of like pen pal simulator. Sweet. Excellent. Uh, So that's everything you've been playing, Johnny? Uh, Yeah. Um, I've been doing a bit more sort of love letter in the early hours in the morning when I'm slightly in my cups with friends, uh, where we get on Discord play all together but also with a random and if anyone uses a priest we're like he's got he's got a princess um so we're cheating basically but uh we quite often lose to them uh because we're handicapping ourselves with booze so uh yeah there that goes by the way uh i listened to the first episode of this podcast and i heard was it matt say that batman love letter is the best and i strongly disagree yes i just wanted to get in i just wanted to get in on that discussion because batman love letter is by far the worst uh (laughs) you clearly never played the hobbit love letter uh the hobbit is one of my two favorite ones actually one of my three top three favorite ones actually yes yes i have (laughs) the hobbit one's good archer is good and uh the what's the 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 fancy one? Garfield, I, right? Oh, uh, the deluxe one. Yeah, I've got that one. I can't even remember what it's called. Oh, I don't know. I that think one. it's just called Love Letter Premium. Premium. Yeah. Yes. I was like, mm. Premier? No, Premium. That's a really good <laughs> that's, one. That's probably the actual answer because that actually adds things to the gameplay. 
Yeah. It adds like extra players and like the second edition that came out last summer adds a couple new characters. Mm. And actually um a loved Lovecraft letter is pretty good. Have because it, again it, like it adds like a sanity mechanic so there's something else happening and going on. Mm-hmm. So it's actually worth owning. But I I, I mean I just like Batman. Have you played the Archer one? Because that one's quite interesting. Because they um that that card that you take out at the beginning that actually comes into play in the Archer one, um, which is Ooh. quite interesting as well. Because you can either look at it or swap cards with it. Um, it's quite good. Oh, that's fun. Huh. Mm-hmm. If there's not a Garfield love letter, there should be. Oh gosh. I, yeah, I don't know if there is. <laughs> there's yeah, just fourteen different Garfields. Yeah, I was going to say there are even eight characters in Garfield. <laughs> yeah. Garfield. Normal. The dog. Garfield on a Monday, Odie. Garfield on a Tuesday, Garfield on a Wednesday. And they're all just the same apart from the Garfield on a Monday who looks slightly more sad. Yeah. Lasagna. Lasagna could be a yeah. character. Lasagna's not a character. Yeah, mm. it could it be. It might as well be. I, well, I'm giving you this lasagna. Let's re- pre- like let's compare our cards. And if my value's higher than yours, you're out. This what needs work, been, mate. You've been lasagna'd. What about different Garfield? So like Bill Murray's Garfield, like CGI oh. Garfield. And then the Garfield from like those terrible, terrible video games. Garfield and Friends. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There's... We've been there. It's done. Yeah. We've made it. Congrats. Congrats, everyone. I'll sell you the rights for like twenty quid. I don't think you own the rights to Garfield, do you? I, I own the rights. To <laughs> Unless Garfield I've really Love missed Letter. something. Yeah. Well. Well. <laughs> well. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> Uh, although, to be honest, Garfield Love Letter would at least be some news because this week there is not very much news. Uh, there's there's a little bit of uh, news. Oh, thank you to um, David Hayes, I believe, the name of the, the person who sent in an incredible, uh, incredible remix of Alex Meehan's news song from last week, uh, which hopefully Wheels will be able to insert right about now. <laughs> incredible really can um, i copyright that um i mean it's your voice but then is it a transformative uh work of art i don't know uh, uh, just i reckon check. i reckon they uh, get they they get away with it on um parody claims i reckon yeah, they got I this own up it's not yours but it's I, i'll put it this way it's as much yours as garfield love letter is what, do you remember? That. Do you remember that the whole thing where was it a case with the monkey who took a selfie and they were trying to say that the the photo belonged to the monkey? Oh, that was yeah. so Whatever. tedious. That long Whatever. legal battle. <laughs> yeah. Did the monk the monkey won in the end? Didn't he? Did I he? think so. Yeah. I think oh, so. F- yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Either really that or annoying. it was released into like the public domain or something because they couldn't decide. Mm. But, but I can't can't remember. Sabotaging a man's career for this. Oof. Hmm. It's one lucky monkey. Yeah. Uh, yes. So uh, it was David Hayes um, mm. who uh, goes, uh, who has a, a show on YouTube, the Jeff and David Show. Mm. So there we go. Oh, Thank you, David. It's it was a, a proper a, amusing song. 
It, yeah. yeah, it's been stuck I, in my head all weekend. Yeah, I laughed thirty seconds straight after listening to it. <laughs> yeah. It's very good. I only listened to it this morning actually, and I was yeah, I was in stitches, and I didn't even know I hadn't I haven't listened to the second episode, so I didn't know the context, and I just <laughs> I think it even I might have made it even funnier because I just don't even know why, but it's great. The ending's so <laughs> wholesome though. News? Yeah, mm. <laughs> it's just delightful. That is not my reaction to the news this week. No. My reaction to the news this week is news. Hmm. Um, uh, media. Let's let's get through it because there's not there's not loads, but there's some some interesting bits. So the main the kind of biggest news at the moment is the Origins, which is the big US game convention that has been delayed to October due to the uh, COVID nineteen pandemic. Uh, not a huge surprise, I don't think. I, I think it was more of a surprise that it held out this long, given it's in June. Um, but replacing it in June is Origins Online, which sounds like an MMO that came out in the early two thousands. Yeah. Um, but that is, they just describe it, they haven't really given any details about how it will work or what it is. They've just said, <laughs> you'll be able to demo games, you'll be able to buy games, there'll be seminars, there'll be workshops. Basically, it will be a convention, but it's online. It and sounds so, like a shopping channel. Yeah, it does a bit. Oh, like QVC. Yeah. Welcome to Origins Online. We've got this fantastic 79 disc set of classical music. Buy it. Kind of and then it plays the music. Garfield love letter. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, twenty-one Garfields in one collection. <laughs> uh, yes. So yeah, um, I think it'll be interesting to see what Origins is. Kind of a, it's it's a big show. It's it's also where the Origin Awards are handed out. Although this year's shortlist is kind of a bit naff. Hmm. None of the board games on there are, are really standouts at all. The RPGs are a little bit more interesting. There's the Alien RPG and a couple of other bits but it's a bit of a bit of a of um nominations take that um but yeah uh so so that's kind of the big news is it's just been delayed but it's been also replaced um so the the new dates for uh origins will be let me look at this story on dicebreaker.com oh my uh, goodness it will now be october 7th to 11th the physical show and then origins online will be held from <laughs> Uh, June the 19th to the 21st. The way you said that was like it's physically forcing itself out of your body. <laughs> like in Harry, the second Harry Potter when Ron's <laughs> spitting out those slugs. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, so that's that's about it in terms of the bigger news at the moment. Uh, we are recording this a little bit early, so it might... Earlier than usual in the week, um, so it might turn out that some massive news happens tomorrow. Yeah, um, but I don't think it will. Then we can uh, just um, add a, a small recording right here. Yeah, and then <laughs> I can do. Thanks for that update, future me. <laughs> if you're back already, uh, then there wasn't any news. <laughs> I can do all your voices. I can do it. Yeah, yeah we're just going to make the podcast just you okay. doing impressions of us. Um, I want to hear this impression of me, please, me, and go. Yeah. The floor no, is I'd only do it for go. that little news bit. I want to so hear it. it go. Like... Not a okay, monkey. so. Oh, no, apparently she is. Carry on. <laughs> okay, so if Garfield Love Letter was announced. Then uh, Loli used to be like, oh my goodness, I'm so excited to, to see Garfield Love Letter. <laughs> what is that accent? Scottish via India? <laughs> oh, my and, why, 
Why do I speak like Tim the Goblin? <laughs> That's because all of Alex Means' characters <laughs> are Tim, Tim the Goblin. Goblin. <laughs> Tim the I Goblin think, presents the Ghost Breaker podcast. I think this uh, Alex Mean is actually Tim the Goblin playing Alex Mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Anyway, before Mean does any more accents, um, other news uh, is that Forgotten Waters, which is the new game uh, from Plaid Hat, who did Dead of Winter, and it's from the co-designer of Dead of Winter, that has seen its retail release date uh, delayed indefinitely. So uh, Plaid Hat, I think, are selling it directly. Is that right, Mian? Yeah, so you can get it on their online store. Uh, and they've said that if you essentially add the name and address of your local board game store, they will send them a check for like 20% of the board game. Yeah, which uh, is pretty decent, all things considered. Yeah. So this again, it's it's due to COVID nineteen mm. um, and not being able to distribute it. Yeah, um, but they're think... making it fairly obvious that they will distribute it to retail stores at some point. Mm. Just when that happens, who knows? Yeah, I think they've said there there's only going to be a limited number or something that they sell directly, so that they're not just selling mm. all of them and then the shops are, are left with nothing. Um, the other interesting thing uh, about Forgotten Waters is, so it's a it's a pirate board game. It has a companion app for its story elements, and the companion app has uh, several actors from Dragon Ball Z, the <gasps> anime, uh, including the voice of Vegeta. No way. Um, oh, you could have nine thousand Christopher Arsabat. Kakarot. Um, so <laughs> yes, that's that's how light the news week is this week because that. <laughs> I, yeah, it's I kind of interesting. It. I think you know they're they're relatively notable names from that world. Hmm. Hmm. I I, uh, I want the... it now. <laughs> Give please. Pirates and Dragon Ball Z. What more could you want? Pirates <laughs> and Dragon Ball Z is basically One Piece, isn't it? Oh uh, yeah, I was going to say that is absolutely One Piece. Yeah. That's the name oh. of your. That's the name of your like autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> what? Pirates and Dragon Ball Z. Oh right, I thought you were saying One Piece. I was like, that's. <laughs> That's a dunk no. so bad you missed the hoop. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, with uh, well, here we go, Revenge of the Sith territory. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, right, uh, other news because uh, we're light, we'll get through this. So, there's a new Railroad Inc. coming out. Have any of you played Railroad yeah. Inc.? Yeah. Oh wow, that doesn't oh, sound. Oh yeah, jeez. Is this Matt Jarvis's uh, train segment? Oh uh, yeah, Matt Jarvis's train game of the week. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> for remixes. Me and got hers, and that's lovely. No, we <laughs> must all have a remix <laughs> by the time this podcast ends. <laughs> Someone's just going to remix that into drum and bass. It's just going to be like. It's just going to be that DMX, the tank engine video. So, I mean, what are they doing that's new with it? This time it's yellow and green instead of red and blue. There are some some gameplay things. So there's like small objectives. The dice have slightly different bits of track and so on. So if You're blowing my mind, Matt Jarvis. You're blowing my mind. Yeah, it's not it's not a huge departure. It's just kind of another two small sets. Uh, so for folks who don't know, Railroad Inc. is like a it's a roll and write game. So you roll dice and then you draw on your little whiteboard. Uh, except this time around, the dice are bits of roads and bits of railroad tracks. So you're just trying to form little networks. Uh, but they they put it out in two little sets that were like Pokemon 
because one was red and one was blue mm. and they had different little things one had like meteors and fire and one had lakes and not fire would you describe them as sexy pokemon um i cannot comment on the sexiness of the pokemon in railroad inc nor should you <laughs> okay um actually talking uh, in other train news did i imagine this was this a strange fever dream or is there a raccoon tycoon rpg coming there so it's not official i believe ah. um, i think someone has just made a fan-made raccoon tycoon uh, rpg but yes that does exist uh, and forbidden sense. games yeah you know, the makers of raccoon tycoon kind of retweeted it out huh. um, i need to look at it but i assume it's you play as a raccoon or cat or whatever yeah i just can't see how that would be an rpg yeah because it's, it's not really a game about adventure no it's about buying and selling things so that you can win an auction yeah but hey yeah. maybe it's amazing yeah, yeah sorry yeah, yeah. But what, what happens sorry, to your life after RPG? you win or lose the auction that's the game mm. you try you and gotta... win a different one there are lots yeah, but... of auctions yeah so you travel from town to town and it's the adventures along the way that mm. antiques you... roadshow the rpg <laughs> now that <gasps> that is oh my that is oh my theme tunes. talking to theme <laughs> tunes my god that i mean if if honestly if i found out tomorrow that the national anthem was being replaced with the antiques roadshow theme i'd be delighted absolutely mm. delighted still regal uh, a... considerably less colonialist <laughs> it's brilliant i'd play a antiques roadshow rpg i would definitely yeah, yeah. On DP. all right time to write it we've got you know that's yeah. that's now our aim as a as a team <laughs> great yeah drop everything else you garfield <laughs> Uh, an expert on the Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> a new episode is coming up. But oh no, all of the best antiques that you'd hoped they'd bring in got smashed. What, how will you try and keep your job? Come on, bring Wait, it let's, back. Let's bring maybe bring it home, Johnny. <laughs> let's try and do this off the air. <laughs> oh, okay, well, I mean, yeah, sure. If, I mean, I, if, if you think people won't listen to us uh, devise and write an entire pen and paper role-playing game, then uh, sure, we'll crack we'll on, I guess. It's more that we don't want them to steal our fantastic ideas. That's very yeah. true. Mm. Uh, the only other news story I've got here is Last Aurora. Uh, but it's not a big news story. It's a smaller thing. It's it's a... Well, uh, Alex Min and I were discussing this this morning. It's kind of like Mad Max, but in a frozen, frozen world. Yeah, it's like Mad Max and Frozen, the Disney film. <laughs> so Olaf yeah. is just like eating human flesh that's it and yeah. spitting petrol at passing people witness yeah. me uh, nice. witness me <laughs> <laughs> I would so watch a Mad Max Fury Road musical can you imagine how amazing that would be oh I mean my Fury goodness. Road wasn't too far off a, a big proportion of that film is just absolutely banging guitars mm. oh it'd be amazing uh, I will write it over the weekend and then, yeah, okay. send it to someone. We'll still give you a cut <laughs> of someone. the Antiques Roadshow RPG proceeds, obviously. Oh, thanks, mate. Thanks. Uh, yeah, uh, Last Aurora uh, was originally... It was on Kickstarter and it had a successful campaign. Um, and it was originally released in Italian, uh, but now it's getting an English edition by Ares Games. Mm. Uh, the guys who make War of the Ring, that old Lord of the Rings game. Uh, and yeah, it looks interesting. It's like post-apocalyptic. You've got to get to a ship before it goes off without you. And it's really cold. And there are bad people everywhere. Yeah. 
Yeah, cool. seems I don't know, seems interesting enough. <laughs> uh, moving on to Kickstarters, uh, we chatted a bit last week about Ank. I think Ank is now live on Kickstarter. That's the new new game from Eric Lang mm. of Blood Rage and Rising Sun. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I feel like we we kind of went over that last week mm. without having played it ourselves. I don't think we can. It seems interesting, but it also seems like another one of those to some degree. Big old board game. Lots of minis. Big old board games. Big old board game. <laughs> uh, um, I would say I can't see it yet, but it might be out by the time. I think it's, yeah, it's going live on the 14th, which is today. Mm. Oh! So by the time this podcast hits the ears of the listeners, it should be live, mm. I think. Uh, the other two that I spotted on Kickstarter, or, well, myself and me and spotted on Kickstarter, is Excavation Earth. Me and tell us a bit about Excavation Earth. Oh my goodness. Uh, Excavation Earth uh, is a board game where you play as aliens, uh, different species of aliens, uh, and I'm not talking about the Ridley Scott <laughs> aliens. <laughs> uh, as they travel to Earth and attempt to sell our rubbish, essentially as artifacts on the aliens <laughs> artifact market. I um, love this game. <laughs> it looks... Actually, I really like the art style, I have to say. It looks really pretty. Uh, and the different species of aliens <laughs> have uh, different abilities to help them scavenge and sell their wares. And essentially, it's like a worker placement game where you collect the different artifacts and the different locations have different colours of artifacts that uh, correspond to essentially the popularity of that particular type of artifact so for example orange artifacts are the most popular type of artifact meaning there's going to be more buyers for those Mm. artifacts uh, whereas others might sell for more but will have fewer buyers available because they're more niche Um, Mm, exactly, and the artifacts are really cute. So they're like a little alarm clock or oh. like a megaphone. What are the orange ones? Like are they that. like iron brew and <laughs> a lasagna? And tango and <laughs> lasagna. <laughs> Can you imagine a lasagna that have been left for that long? I really that fancy would... a lasagna now. Yeah. Honest mm. lasagna dog. <laughs> anyway, it looks pretty good. Yeah, um, it's, and it's from David Terzi. Terzi? Yeah. Uh, who did... Sorry, did you already say this? And I just blanked blanked out. No, I did not say that, sir. Uh, who who did... How dare you! <laughs> Kitchen Rush and Anachrony. Uh, Kitchen Rush was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah, it was basically overcooked as a board game. Mm. Lots of sand timers. And stress. Uh, but yeah, this mm. seems really cool. It's, uh, That'll be your biography. Sand timers and stress. Lots of sand timers and stress. <laughs> Uh, it's better than One the... Piece. <laughs> That's not what I said. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, the only other Kickstarter I've seen out there is for Vale Wraith, uh, which is the new game from Tristan Hall, who is a British designer, um, kind of indie designer, who made Gloom of Kilforth, which some folks might know, um, which was kind of like a questing game, kind of like Talisman as a card game. Um, vale Wraith is... Is a bit interesting here, Tasman. Yeah. <laughs> Gloom of Kilforth. Yeah, pretty good. Um, Gloom of Kilforth. Uh, sorry, Gloom of Kilforth. Vale Wraith uh, is interesting because it's a solo game. It's just a solo game. Um, so it's just one player. 
uh, and it's like a deck builder and you basically try and defeat a load of monsters it's it's in that vein you defeat monsters you're trying to get keys and make it out before the monsters do bad i like oh, no. this i like that it's a a one player only game mm. I, I i've yeah. been saying that for ages that there need to be more of those yeah so. you can combine multiple sets together and play it multiplayer apparently mm-hmm. but um That's in nice. the single box itself is just one player that That's sounds fair. really good so, yeah. Yeah. Oh God, I would. Hmm. I was saying this to a friend last night. I would kill for a game of Set a Watch right now. Just. Oh, oh I'd love we it. We played it. Actually, that's one of the games I played this week. I completely forgot. Is it on tabletop it sim? On, it is on tabletop oh, sim. Oh, hello. <gasps> played it on tabletop sim. Okay, that's a game changer. All right. Mm-hmm. Good. There is hope yet. Yep. Yeah. Set a Watch. We know what you're doing this week. <laughs> Diplomacy. And Set a Watch. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. As... I think that's. Oh, sorry. Is there anything I was going to say? Is there anything else, Matt Jarvis? That's about it. I think we've squeezed every drop of the news juice <laughs> from this. The news juice? The news juice. Slightly wrinkled oh, no. looking lemon of oh. news. Oh, Lord. I'm so sorry. Well, yeah, um, when life gives you lemons, but no, no one said what quality make, the lemons were arriving make in. Make news juice. Make news juice. Make news juice. Oh, yeah. news juice just doesn't sound good. It's acidic, <laughs> though, which is pleasing. It, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll take some uh, some questions mm. from from the audience, from you, the audience. Uh, thank you to everyone that sent in questions and comments and whatnot. Uh, you can send them to us on Twitter, so at Join Dicebreaker. You can send them to us on Facebook, which I think is just slash Dicebreaker, or maybe it's slash Join Dicebreaker again. I'll double check. It's slash Join Dicebreaker, um, or you can email contact at dicebreaker.com and make the subject line db space podcast that's db podcast not db space podcast <laughs> spin-off oh, series wow um, are we gonna go into space and record this podcast in like a few hundred episodes always space yeah. i love that's space. the aim <laughs> the aim is to ultimately record this podcast in space yep which will play really well in audio. <laughs> oh, yeah. All those people listening going, this just sounds the same, but with slightly naffer audio quality. <laughs> uh, okay, let's take some questions from the audience. Uh, Alex Lowlies, would you like to read the first question? Do you oh, not have the document open? Um, I... I actually just opened it, funnily enough, yeah. so I do. <gasps> Fantastic. Um, let's open with this one from Tom Driscoll, please, which is the first one on the list. At X Pursued by Bear asks, what's the best game with the dullest theme? Alternative, alternatively, what's a dull game saved by its great theme? That's a good question. Hmm. Oh, there's so many great games with dull themes in board games. Yeah. Uh, I can't... Th- oh, mm. like, for example, Patrick, I kind of man- mentioned earlier, like, sounds really boring. Like, it's it's a it's essentially a game where you're making a quilt. Um, and when you say that to people, they're like, oh, okay. And then you play it, and it's really fun. And mm. it's really sweet, and it's it's just really wholesome but it sounds boring but and there's lots of games like that that sound like really dull yeah i think azul is another one yes azul is like it's a game about tiling walls wow (laughs) and then you play and like oh this game's really great Mm. Mm. pretty much anything by uve rosenberg (laughs) yes this is true yeah there's a really boring theme but some pretty good gameplay there um i don't know feast feast for odin's pretty pretty fun as a theme but i think they're like if you then break it down it's like oh you're vikings and it's like oh that sounds really oh, fun and yes, then it's like but you're going to spend most of your time organising stock inside your tent yeah like, okay <laughs> uh, I would say I mean co- the base gameplay of Cosmic Frog is great but the theme 
punts it into the stratosphere for me. It, it turns it into my most anticipated game of this year. Like it's it's just brilliant. Um, the theme yeah. is spectacular. Yeah. Uh, what else? I'm sort of just looking at the stuff I've got. It in, is in out of this world. Or, um I would argue the crew quest for Planet Nine as well. It's trick taker, mm. so you want to play a high card. But the fact that you're in space, and if you don't do it, then you'll never be able to get the the sensor array back online. It's amazing, and it also means True. it it the communication mechanic, which for anyone who's who's not played this game, um, once per basically round rather than trick, um, you can play a card in front of you from your hand and put a marker on it to denote whether it's the highest, lowest, or only card of that suit. And that's the only time you can communicate. And sometimes you can't communicate at all because space, it's hard to talk. And space, people might hear you speak. Um, and yeah, there's just something about the, the theme really ties it all together and makes it into something genuinely really exciting. Like the last time I played it in the before times, we put on um, the uh, public service broadcast, uh, public service broadcasting album, The Race for Space. And it was just the perfect soundtrack. It's just that really like chill driving beats. Uh, well, we were being spacemen, so yeah. Yeah, mm. I think it also just has a bit of a naff name, which is common. They could have called it like Tricks in Space. Yeah. I like or something, and that just sounds like space magicians. I think. I think um, yeah. the 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 issue with that, or not the issue, but the danger with that, is that I think as soon as you mention space, it sounds nerdy. <laughs> yeah. But I think the crew is quite nice. It's short. It's snappy. It, it's it's you are a crew. You got to be a crew to. Succeed, succeed. <laughs> I tried. I tried. Have wow, a catchy wow. tagline. <laughs> I uh, mean, I would argue. I would argue. The thing is, Baron Park is great in pretty much every sense of the word. Baron Park. <laughs> wow, sensory, sensory <laughs> stimulation there. Uh, because number one, it's a really great game to play. Uh, essentially, it's a great beginner board game, but there is lots of potential there for you to get like genuinely really good at it. Uh, it's also got bears in it, which is a pretty good selling point. <laughs> and the, as I've said previously to you guys, the front cover is one of the best ever ever made. Mm. Uh, because, you know, it's just a really nice, happy bear being very happy about its life and its carer and everything. Um, but there are a lot of games that are about, like, building parks and things. Mm. Uh, and if they hadn't put bears in it, and even with the bears, like, in some ways it's not exactly the most thrilling... It's not, it's not going into space. Mm. Um, I'd also argue, like... I think Pandemic's theme yeah. elevates it so much above. Like The gameplay is great, don't get me wrong. It's a classic. Uh, but like if you're just placing blocks without that subtext of, you know, you're saving the world, um, I just don't think it would be nearly as effective yeah. as it is. If it was like a, if it was an electrical circuit and you were all electricians, <clears throat> it's like, don't, don't let the computer break. Mm. Nobody would buy that game. You know, mm. um, Parks is uh, another game where love it, but without those assets, it would be dull as dishwater. It's a game yeah. where you go from left to right in along some spaces, you pick up things, and then you buy things with those things. <laughs> Yawn. But then suddenly it's this game about visiting national parks, and you stop off at a vista, and 
you take a photograph or you refill your canteen. It's just it's it bloody delightful, even in single player. Yeah. It's really good. Uh, you know what I'm also going to say is poop poop. It's time for train games. Yeah! Reference two on this podcast. Poop poop. Train games uh, seem very boring. I've been over this before, um, but like a lot of train games, they just seem very dull. But things like 1830 or even Ticket to Ride, which is just kind of pure lay down track, mm-hmm. go from place to place. Lolis is not a fan. I like Ticket to Ride a lot. <laughs> for, for audio listeners, Lolis is blowing a very quiet raspberry. <laughs> <laughs> which is probably how you describe Ticket to Ride. A very yeah. quiet raspberry. Yeah, a very quiet raspberry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think games like that. Uh, I'll also be, I mean, I, I love fantasy games, but I will say that a good 95% of fantasy games could be something much more interesting. My goodness. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the game. I think it's an Antoine Bowser game. Oh, what was it? It was called something else. It was called something along the lines of Ghost something. And it oh, ghosts. Stories? Ghost, no. no. And then they made it into Last Bastion. So it went from being this kind of... It was Ghost Stories. It was Ghost Stories. Ghost Stories. I'm pretty sure it's called Ghost Stories because oh, I remember might, seeing that. Just and then... The kung fu sort of. Yeah. Ah, yeah. the... oh, sorry, man. I uh, yeah, I can completely confuse it. You're completely wrong. I forgive you. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I remember. But yeah, I'm they forgiven. just made it into bland fantasy theme. Yeah. And it's like all all interest in that game just out the window. Yeah. Mm. Look, I love sci-fi horrors next to the next person. Sorry, as much as the next person. But please stop making dungeon crawlers with sci-fi horror settings on Kickstarter because there are so many and they're all just blurring into one. Mm. And now I don't care And that's anymore. the scary thing. It's blurred into one monstrous, horrible oh. creature. That was a rubbish joke. Anyway. Next. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'll read this one from Elliot Brooks because Elliot Brooks is actually a friend of mine. Hey. He's playing in that diplomacy game with me. So full disclaimer, he's a friend of mine, but that's not why I picked his question. I picked it because it's good and because it was on our Twitter. Uh, so Elliot says, what IP without an attached RPG do you think would make the best setting for one? <sighs> so we do have a, we did a, an article on the website a little while ago that was kind of along these lines oh, yeah. where each member of the team picked um, something that they felt should be made into an RPG. Um, and I picked uh, the Final Fantasy video game series because A, I'm a big fan of it. And B, I think there's some fan-made games out there, but it's it has like a really good cohesive. Even though there's like fifteen numbered games and sixty spin-offs, there's like a good cohesive kind of universe there. Like all the monsters reappear across games. There's like a defined set of classes and jobs. You know, there's some really interesting kind of stuff there. And some of the story beats they do in the games, like Final Fantasy VII, is all about you know environmental kind of um, warriors or eco-warriors kind of taking on the corporations and nine is about weapons of mass destruction and that kind of thing so i think there's there's good scope there to tell some interesting stories and not just be kind of surface level fantasy Mm. Mm. i would go with this is a bit niche which is perhaps why it's not already been uh been commissioned (laughs) (laughs) um i would go with the books of babel which is a a sort of um steampunky almost kind of fantasy series by an author called josiah bancroft uh the first book is called senlin ascends and basically it is like a a schoolmaster who is like very prim and proper and um you know like uh, upright and he's a historian who's been obsessed with the the idea of the tower of babel which is this wonderful um 
like multi-layered, multi-faceted holiday destination where there's like a layer, a level which is just nothing but wondrous baths, and then there's uh, you know a theatre level and all this kind of stuff. And he's on his honeymoon, and he turns up and immediately loses his wife, uh, and oh. he cannot find her. And so the book is him looking for his misplaced wife, and discovering that the tower is not all he thought it was, and basically he realizes he's going to have to change in order to overcome the challenges ahead of him yada 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 so with the start of book two he's a full-blown pirate um and these books are just they're just brilliant but i think that world is so fascinating because there are so many sort of grubby little details about the different levels like on the very bottom layer of the um of the tower there are these things called beer me go rounds where you get on it and everyone pedals and it's a giant carousel and you pedal for long enough that the machine shuts down and then squirts beer in your face so people just spend all day getting hammered while pumping these dynamos for other people's entertainment, basically. But I think kind of like how The Mandalorian is doing Star Wars differently and that it's telling little granular stories, I think that world is really ripe for just really interesting stories that aren't about a big overarching narrative where you have to save the world. That's mm. That would be my pick, anyway. That or You're Garfield. Not... Oh, God. <laughs> I'm playing You're... as the lasagna. Your little beer machine reminded me of, uh, I'm sure Lolis can back me up, in Berlin they have those uh, little things you can cycle on, and they're like uh, tables. Yeah, they've yeah, had them you, lots of they have them in London. cities, I think. Yeah. yeah, I've never seen them, I, I've never seen them in anywhere but Berlin before. Hmm. Yeah. But I, yeah, I saw one of those, uh, and I was like, that looks pretty cool. And then didn't hire one. Yeah, no. I once saw somebody yelling at a stag party, being like, "Come on, you have to pedal!" Because they were yeah. just battered and yeah, they didn't yeah. really <laughs> want to pedal. And, and they seemed to like they seemed to not realise that they were the key to this thing going anywhere. <laughs> it's pretty great. Um, Lodies. Yes. Go. What What's was... your idea? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, I, for- I had forgotten the question. Sorry. Um, well, I had I, when we had written that article, I chose Sesame Street, and I stand by that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just, um, I just think it could be really funny, even if it's just like a, like a one-page one. Um, and I, I really want to run one for you guys. What, whenever I get to that point of being able to run RPGs, um, I just think it'll be really funny and weird, and um, people can get quite creative with it. So. I'm up for it. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I absolutely want to just role play as the count, <laughs> and every every die you roll, what? you have to count from zero upwards. <laughs> oh lord! I rolled don't a roll one, a d twenty. Uh, 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 Please don't make this a d one hundred system. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> um, Even a d twenty would be bad, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, my answer for this on the article was his, his Dark Materials. Oh my god, yes. The book series, and I stand by that because that would be amazing. Uh, but another world I'd love to see get an RPG would be the Fables universe, uh, oh. which is the comic, yeah, the graphic novel series mm. uh, that was actually adapted into a video game yes. series, um, Wolf Among Us, by Telltale Rip. Um, they were going to make a second season of that, and then that went down the toilet. Yeah. And I think there were rumours. Did they announce? Is there another person, like another company, making season two um, now? I or? think so. 
There was certainly a bit of news. It might have just been them being like, we intend to do this, kind of in the same way that you've decided <laughs> to make a crossover between Garfield and Love Letter and claim the money. Exactly. Um, uh, the graphic novel series that the video game is based on is very weird. Um, it essentially takes fairy tale characters like Snow White and Beauty and, from Beauty and the Beast and things like that and kind of puts them in the modern day and that sounds really generic but it actually goes into some pretty uh, weird places. Mm. There's like an alternative world which they're from and they were essentially driven out by this uh, this enormous war and this, I guess, tones of imperialism enemy and now they're living in New York in secret but then as the books kind of go on it becomes more and more off the wall and uh, new characters join and I kind of always preferred a little bit the Wolf Among Us take on it of like noir crime yeah. thriller because uh, it really delved into those social sort of issues that the books kind of touch on a little bit but they always lean more into the the weirdness. Um, so I'd love an RPG that kind of combined those two things, both the tone of the video game and like the possibility of the worlds of the books. Mm. Uh, and you could like make your own, you know, fairy tale character or or turn up as an existing one, and kind of interact with both like new characters and ones in the in the stories. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I love our fables. Is fables there, um, thing built on gumshoe, maybe. Like yeah. investigative. Is there a, a Pokemon RPG? Not officially, as far as I'm aware. But I think there are, like, kind of like Final Fantasy, there's loads of fan-made ones. Mm. Uh, actually, I know for sure that there is a fan-made one because my friend was playing it over the weekend. Huh. Is it sexy? Oh. <laughs> um, I believe there were elements of that that I won't go into. Wow, okay. Oh, well, I wasn't right. playing in that campaign, but I understand that they were maybe taking it in some directions that were quite strange. Oh, Lord. <laughs> as long as I can get a Swoobar, I don't care. <laughs> oh, my God. That picture of Swoobat carrying Tim the Goblin just made my yeah, life. Yeah, that was really lovely. That was... My heart grew like ten times. Mm incredible it was beautiful uh johnny would you like to read this one from lee russ nothing would give me greater pleasure um lee russ (laughs) do any of you guys upgrade or protect your games with things like sleeves edging tokens with sharpies (laughs) or sorry or buying premium components what's been the neatest idea for this you've seen my favorite is putting the tokens from quacks of quedlingberg in coin capsules. Um, I Certain games, yes. Like, uh, Twilight Imperium 4 is great. It's got lovely assets. It's even got an inlay that works. Fantasy Flight, you can do it. But the player civilization mats, like the, all the player mats are super flimsy. So laminating those, I think, is a must. Um, and then, to be honest, it's mostly with um, my uh, Doomtown Reloaded collection. With that, I went pretty hard on buying nice wallets for my cards, uh, sleeving all of them, well, sleeving all the ones I'm using, which is a nice therapeutic sort of meditative exercise where you build a deck and then sleeve it. Uh, I've got probably more plain mats than is strictly necessary. Um, I use like I went on Broken Token and got some like wooden inlays for the box. Um, I'm not that bothered about upgrading things. Like, oh I, oh, I did buy the metal coins for Scythe, because why not? Yeah. Um, 
but yeah it is it is nice every now and then to be like oh yeah okay i will i will stump up a bit more for this premium version or i'll take steps to make sure this stays nice like if for example they put out two copies of cosmic frog one with the lovely neoprene mat and one without neoprene mat all day mm. so yeah yeah i i think i'm much the same it's like i generally don't like i'm sure many people will be upset with this but i generally don't sleeve anything mm. unless it's something like a card game that i know that i'm gonna play a lot because mm-hmm. i think at some point i don't really mind if things get kind of worn away that's kind of the charm of it to me yeah i agree mm-hmm. to some degree it's like oh this this has an element of us having played it a lot it's loved you know yeah. if and also i find a lot of sleeves are just like i don't know i don't particularly love the feel of them mm. yeah they, it can be awkward to like shuffle as well with sleeves um because they kind of get stuck to each other or whatever um yeah, it's it's funny because I I there's several games that I really want to upgrade. So actually, it's funny that they mention um, Quacks of Quedlinburg because obviously I, I've spoken about that before, and I own a copy, and I really want those like plastic bits um, to have as my ingredients. But like the ones that are kind of available are quite expensive, and it's like, well, is there any point? Um, Patchwork, I want to grab a copy of Patrick at some point like an actual physical physical copy and I want to like I've seen a lot of people who have replaced the kind of cardboard buttons with real buttons and which like, I find really sweet and I'd oh. like to do that once I get my copy but that's like something quite easy and cheap you can do yourself anyway the coins thing like I don't own any games I think that have coins but like I'm obsessed with those metal coins so I think I'd love to just own some coins but it's it just comes down to like I guess my my for me personally like my games collection is quite small like I only really own games that I really really love like that I know I'm gonna play a lot um and even at that like I don't my games don't actually come out all that often um just because we're always playing different games all the Mm. time um so oh I will say actually RPGs that is one where I decided a long time ago I was like I'm just gonna I'm gonna put money in on this because it's my favorite thing in the world to do um Mm. so you know like I bought a nice leather dice tray um I have a set of level up dice that were eye-wateringly expensive but are lovely because they're made of Damascus steel and they they sound like thunder when they roll um and I've got you know like uh, Game Tea it was a British sort of t-shirt company but they also do really really nice notebooks that are sort of bound in leather and you can replace the notebooks inside so it's more like a leather notebook holder um I think those are phenomenal just it's nice to have nice things when you're playing a pen and paper role playing game mm-hmm. sort of just yeah you know, it's, it doesn't change the experience fundamentally, but it's like, like riding in the back of a nice car. It's nice. I will answer, firstly, a question that I know people are desperate for me to answer. Um, <laughs> having a bag of metal coins means that you can convince someone that you have groats t- to give them as a currency. And that's really important, because groats are great. <laughs> And nobody remembers them. I love the idea of just being able, trying to pay for things with groats. Secondly, Lolis is looking so blank right now. I don't know what that is. I don't know why I expected anything less from you, Mian. Um, One thing you need to know about me is that I am terribly irresponsible with the things I own. Um, Particularly things that aren't incredibly expensive or essential to my life 
So uh, many copies of my board games, including a copy of Shadowhunters, which I love very much. The amount of stains on that thing uh, is, is terrible. It, it almost to the point where it looks like there's another section on the board uh, when that's just uh, someone spilled a glass of rum and coke on it. Um, I haven't really bothered upgrading any of my board games. Um, in terms of like RPG stuff, I have a wooden dice tray. Uh, I mostly got that to stop me from flinging my dice behind my desk. <laughs> uh, and I have a little, little soft baggie to put my dice in. Uh, again, that's to stop me from losing them. Uh, most of the time, I just get this kind of stuff to just, yeah, deal with my chaotic and irresponsible nature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alright. Uh, no, me and you haven't read one yet, correct? Yes. L- losing track already. Uh, can you read this one from Graham Smith, please? Graham Smith. <laughs> 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 Um, they ask uh, are there any classic now derided games Monopoly, Risk, etc that you think are better than they're given credit for I mean you've mentioned Diplomacy that's a a classic I don't think it's derided though No, I think people just haven't heard of it so if anything it's just unknown Yeah, but I think Monopoly is Monopoly's crap. I think that's widely accepted. Yeah. <laughs> but I think um in terms of it being better than people think it is. I think a lot of the problems people have with Monopoly is that nobody plays by the actual rules of Monopoly, which aren't great because it's still just roller paradise move. But it's the things like get money when you land on free parking and stuff like that that just stretches it out to kind of like unbearable mm-hmm. levels. So it's it's bad, but it's not as bad as many people think it is because they've just had like really bad experiences playing it with house rules. Hmm. I really enjoy Monopoly. Yeah, Lolis was looking very, <laughs> uh, very suspicious. Yeah, it's, it's it's one of those things that um, it's it's like you almost have to be quite secretive about it, uh, especially in this industry when you work in this industry because people do just look at you like, I, what like. Do you even play games? Or um, I really like it, but I uh, grew up in a household which took the rules very seriously. As in, we played by the actual rules. So, right. like so much so that when I went and played it with other people, and they were not playing by the proper rules, I found it really like I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it when I played with people who who like didn't enforce the right rules because I just that's just how we played it. We played like we didn't, you know, some people play where you like give loans or whatever. Like, no, if you run out of money, you're out. That's it. You're gone. And like, you know, that's kind of just how I grew up in my house. But it's funny actually that we we're meant, we're talking about this now because my dad literally sent me a picture of um of myself, himself and my brother playing Monopoly from like 7 years ago or something. Um and it's it looks very intense and I'm pretty sure my brother cheats. But uh, <laughs> I do, I do enjoy it, and I, um, I think you're right. I think it's you got to play it by the proper rules. I know you're saying it's still like not great, but I, I like it. It's, it's simple. It's um, just fun. I don't know. It's good. I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. I do, I do think that some of the versions they've tried to bring out since the original is just like, just stop, please, just leave it. 
There's oh. the one that's just literally like a gun, and you fire like <sighs> m- paper money into the air. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, just trying to squeeze, squeeze every drop of chip and pin. We're going to use this metaphor Sweet twice. Yeah. <laughs> <That> monopoly milk. <laughs> <laughs> squeeze I, I the udder of capitalism dry. <laughs> well, I think I think that's my issue with monopoly is all that like them just trying to really like stretch it out into all these different things when I think they should have just left it like it's mm. it's a fine game I know people like it's it's one of those games that does drag on and people fight and cheat and all that stuff but if you play it right it's good <laughs> uh, my pick would be Pop-Up Pirate everyone thinks they're too good for Pop-Up Pirate they're not it's brilliant they think it's juvenile Classic. but it's wonderful it's it's like you know in Russia, in, in in films if people pull out a gun and start playing Russian roulette that's tense as anything it's all about the sense of immersion. If you really care about not making that pirate pop up, then <laughs> it's a solid banger. Also, Jump in Ship, which is a, basically the same game, but instead of a barrel, it's a ship. And uh, where the main mast would go, there's a balloon that you inflate. So when it goes off, the, the pop-up pirate is tied to the balloon and he flies across the room. And the, the little plastic oh piece with the balloon on it has a whistle. So it goes like, boo! It's amazing. Oh, that's hilarious. Yep. <laughs> I think it's still in my parents' also, loft. You have Bring to also in. add to that uh, buckaroo. Yeah. Because it's basically the same yeah. game. Yeah. Uh, that's, I would say, if, if Pop-Up Pirate is Russian roulette, buckaroo is taking it in turns to kick a landmine. Mm. Sure. Yeah. Um, for me, it would probably be Mousetrap. Mm. Maybe it's just nostalgia, but... And I have, I have to confess, I've not played Mousetrap in many eons. Um, but I just love the idea of a game that you play and you build something while you're playing it. Mm. Like, uh, you don't just set it all up. You do the setting up while you're playing it. Yeah. Also, I really like that little green man that jumps off. Oh, he's so good. Diving I mean, Rube Goldberg <laughs> machines are just fun. But, um, mm. So our sister channel uh, outside Extra played Mousetrap a couple of years ago now. The video is still on the channel. Still one of their most popular videos. People just love watching them play Mousetrap because it is such a strange game. And the the tension when the the machine's all set up and you're like, oh no, will I be the mouse who who gets <laughs> caught in the <laughs> trap? The trap. Yeah. God, I haven't played that since I was a kid. That's, Let's have a bang on that sometime. In when we're yeah. yeah when we're in the in the future times. Yeah. yeah, we'll bring all our old games from our parents' houses. Yeah, uh, as long as they're still actually functioning, and see if we can play yeah. them. That's when you'll see. Don't tip the waiter. I know you've been very excited about this. <laughs> I've got German Monopoly. In case you want to play. Fantastic. That. Yeah, can't wait. <laughs> all right, sorted. Matt Jarvis, do you have an opinion on this? On which one? Don't tip the waiter. No. No. <laughs> 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 a classic board game that aren't as bad as people think they are. Oh, like I say, I think Monopoly is it gets a, a bad or a worse worse shake than it deserves. I d- I wouldn't call it a classic by any stretch of the means, but I think I have gone on record multiple times now to say that I quite enjoyed Seafall, which is a more recent release. Yeah, fair enough. Was absolutely derided. Yeah. Uh, I'm, people I'm guilty of that. Oh, I've put the boots tapestry. in on Seafall a lot. Oh, Tapestry. <laughs> I don't think... Well, Tapestry didn't get that much of a kicking, did it? Uh, no, from Wheels, though. From so Wheels, this one's especially from, from Wheels. wheels. So, yeah, this is <laughs> more confirmation bias from me and Loli. It's more like Stockholm Syndrome. 
Let's just turn this around. What games do we like that Wills doesn't, and why is he wrong? Tapestry. <laughs> <laughs> Betrayal at House on the Hill. Does he not like Betrayal at House on Does the he? Hill? Whoa. Yeah, no, he slagged it off. Wow. He 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 said, "Ooh, it's not very I mean, good." And there I are like, sometimes when you see the scenario and you're like, "Oh, we're in for a, a rubbish forty-five minutes now." Just choose a different one. That's, That's not the rules, Good. man. <laughs> I um, will I've play just... the one where you get turned into tiny things and the cat's loose in the house for the eighth time if that's what the game tells me to do. I've just remembered another example for the first question, uh-huh. which was something about dull themes or something, or good themes, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you, you remember the question, listener, I'm sure you do. Um, vast <laughs> is one of them. It's got a cool oh, theme, but boy. it's a dull game. Lolis, we had this packed. We were never going to mention that game again. I just had to, just this once. You're bringing up really bad I just, memories. I need people to know. On the flip side of the coin, from the same publisher, uh, 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 Fort is coming out this year, Fort. and that is a game yeah. that is absolutely made by its um, its theme. It's wonderful. Big time. Yeah, because that used to be a, like a Roman game, right? It's like a remake of a Roman oh, is it? thing. Yeah, I think so. Well, uh, I might be misremembering, there, but yeah, again, like just historical or fantasy, like you immediately take that, make it into you're building forts, and it sounds a hundred yeah. times more interesting. What are my resources? Pizza and toys. This is hilarious and inventive. You're recruiting best friends. Yeah, it's yeah. great. You're it. recruiting legionaries. Your resources are uh, pylums and also pizza because we have that too. <laughs> yes, I suppose the, the ancient Romans also had toys, but you know. Uh, Lolies, would you like to read this one from Annie Furlongmuir? Wow, that's quite a name. It's a lovely um, name. Yeah. What D&D campaign setting is your personal favourite and why? Personally, I love the idea of Eberron with its high ma- Magitech theming. Um, I think we'll throw this open a little bit to kind of just role-playing settings in general. Sure. Not necessarily just D&D. Although, if you like D&D, hey, go for I it. I mean, if it was D&D specifically, it might be Saltmarsh because pirates, why not? Uh, but favourite setting at all it would probably be a toss up between Deadlands because I always talk about it and the Weird West is great but also uh, Fading Suns is like a really dense D20 system RPG but it's, it's basically a space opera in the same vein as Dune um, and it is just wonderful, you've got all these different houses and, and you know the planets are so varied and there are all these jump gates from a, a, an old sort of older race that left them all behind, and ah, it's, I love it and I miss it. So that. Mm. Yeah, D and D wise, um, I have I've only actually played Eberron because any other D and D game I've played, people have just actually no, this is not true. But um, mostly people people I play with, they just kind of make up their own. Um, but I'm currently playing uh, Tombs of Annihilation. Which is uh, definitely interesting, um, but it's still quite early on, so I can't really. I don't want to. Come... with dinosaurs? Are there dinosaurs in there? Is that Tomb of Annihilation? Dinosaurs. I'm not sure. sure. We've only played. I'm not sure. We've played two oh. sessions of it, and it's. Um, we literally had just done like a canoe trip and climbed a tower, <laughs> so um, it's 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 moving slowly, but it's. Um, I'm enjoying it as a setting, but I I wouldn't know if it was like my favorite. Mm. I think in general RPG though, I think Deadlands is the one that has really gripped me and that I like I love I just love visiting that world when we do it's great mm. uh, for me D's probably the recently released Explorer's Guide to Wildemont um, setting 
which is basically World of Want, which is in the Critical Role universe. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> you know, Matt Mercer, he's a good boy. And he's made a really exciting and interesting setting that's driven by both political tensions and a clear obsession with with gods and pantheons and things like that, um, which I can really respect because I love classical studies and gods and things like that. So uh, it's just a world that feels really realised. There are people clearly living in it. Like, it's not all about the conflict and the danger. It's also about just, you know, these different weird little cultures. You know, th- there are a group of people who live on an undead worm. Uh, <laughs> as in eat, eat it. Oh. Uh, which, yeah, not live on it. <laughs> I thought that um, was funny. <laughs> that cool. they, live off, they live off it, then, technically. They live but, off of it, okay. yes. Um, and favourite general RPG setting... Um, probably cyberpunk, mm. um, particularly twenty. What's the new one? Uh, well, is it red or red. is it just red? Red is or? the new one because there was uh, cyberpunk, then cyberpunk twenty twenty, then version mm. three point which people don't really talk about very much, and then red <laughs> is the next one. Yeah, cyberpunk red. Uh, they've given up trying to name it chronologically. <laughs> They're now naming it just red, which is probably a good shout. Because then eventually, if we get to whatever year they chose to name it with, they're going to have to change it again. But um, I really like cyberpunk things. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of being able to play cyberpunk red, which I haven't managed to yet, uh, is just like Blade Runner. And I just want to be in Blade Runner because I love that film and I love things inspired by that film. And like cyberpunk was so clearly inspired by that mm. film. Um, but uh, leans uh, more into the quote punk aspects of it, with like yeah, down with the, with the man. Yeah, <laughs> I think I mean I I'm playing in a Shadowrun campaign at the minute, and I love that as well because cyberpunk settings are great. But I'm playing as a combat mage, uh, so I don't have any technical advancements or whatever. And my my character she's like very wary of all that stuff because it reduces your effectiveness in magic. So oftentimes it doesn't. It feels like everyone else is playing a cyberpunk RPG and I'm not, which is weird. Um, so yeah, I do like the the single focus of cyberpunk. You know, being much more about uh, transhumanism, I guess, um, and augmentation and what it means to change yourself in an essential way, but in a way that is very much tied to technology and to capitalism. I think that's very yeah. interesting. Uh, I mean, because I think Mike Pondsmith is a very, very interesting and smart man with a voice that I could listen to forever. Big time. Yeah, I'm a Mr. Big Jarvis. Uh, see, I don't actually have loads of experience with D&D. Um, I do like Salt Marsh because pirates. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also really like Descent into Avernus. Oh, yeah. Um, because it's just hellish landscape with kind of Mad Max weird rigged up vehicles running around, which is very fun to me. Uh, also because I just play characters who are generally kind of, they belong in the depths. <laughs> um, uh, well, at least they appear to belong in the depths. But I think um, outside of that, I, I really like cyberpunk. Um, that kind of sci-fi does it for me. Like the kind of noirish, gritty, like, wow, technology is, is amazing and also terrifying. Uh, 
but I also have a real, real soft spot for just the kind of cosmic horror paranormal investigation settings. Mm. So Arkham Horror Files, um, which isn't necessarily an RPG, um, but obviously comes out of Call of Cthulhu, I really like um, once you detach it from Lovecraft just generally being a bit of a uh, an unpleasant yeah, yes. fella. Um, but I really like the... I like things with like hidden cults and mysterious, unknowable entities and that kind of thing and uncovering mysteries. So Trail of Cthulhu I really like mm. uh, as a role-playing game and setting. Um, so yeah, just anything like that that kind of has like a big old mystery and cults and conspiracies and uh, weird shadowy figures offering you things mm. in the back of pubs. <laughs> yeah. You might solve a mystery. Oh, remember pubs. <laughs> Stop trying to make it a thing, me, and you can't have a song in every episode. I just dark tales. Mystery. Let's solve. Anyway. Next. Uh, all right. Cool. I think that's just about all our time for questions this week. Mm. Again, thank you to everyone who sent something in. We've got a lot more to get through, but if you want your question answered, uh, tweet us at Join Dicebreaker, uh, Facebook us at slash Join Dicebreaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, email us at contact at dicebreaker.com with the subject line at DB Space Podcast or just, you know, track us down on the internet somewhere. We're about. You'll find us. If you tie um, your question to a pigeon and whisper Dicebreaker in its ear three times and let it go, you will have one fewer pigeon. <laughs> Imagine trying to receive, like, board game samples via pigeon. How many pigeons do you reckon? How many pigeons? Yeah, go on. I was going to say, how many pigeons is it going to take to lift Glenn? I was going to ask the same thing! Oh my gosh, Johnny. Yeah! All right. Oh, can we play Diplomacy by Pigeon Post? (laughs) Matt, it'd be so expensive, let's do it. Blood-splattered pigeon. (laughs) Well, we don't have to cover them in blood. (laughs) No, we do. It depends how buff the pigeon is. Mm, I mean, to be honest... If you've got, like, a group of really muscular pigeons... I mean, to be honest, with the, the, the length of letters Matt and I write, unless we learn how to cipher them and, and maybe write in shorthand, we're going to need albatrosses to carry these things. Yeah. Also, oh, that Lord. that wheel of camembert is going to weigh it down. Of course. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I miss my, my, my bear cheese knife. <laughs> I'll get you another bear cheese knife. Right? Yes, we will a play again together. Once I'm done crushing Italy and Germany in my game. Yes. Oof. I'm so looking forward to this. We should have a team game. Let's make it happen. Oh my god, yes. Mm. Will we like each other? <laughs> yeah. I think, well, that's the the thing I think with this, with online diplomacy, is that it's there's enough separation out. Yeah. I think when you're in a room together and you're lying into each other's faces, that is very intense. Yeah. And some people just don't, don't gel well with that. I mean, I love it because I'm a terrible, terrible person. <laughs> like, getting someone to absolutely wholeheartedly believe you as you tell them, no, 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 no. Like, I won't be moving anything into your region. And then you immediately chat to Russia, and Russia's like, yeah, let's squish it. Yeah. Um, I think where when it's done over the internet and you're kind of getting into that character of, like, a ruler and you're saying ridiculous things like Beggie's knife um, and whatnot, I think it separates it out enough where you can just enjoy the kind of ridiculousness of it which includes the terrible, terrible betrayals that then inevitably be, uh, ne- inevitably happen. Well, yeah. Let's play this game. Let's do I it. I want to play Let's this do game. Do, 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 do. I like that one. That, that was wow, quite a really good one, a yeah. musical podcast. <laughs> cool. <But laughs> to close out the podcast, what's coming up on youtube.com forward slash dicebreaker? 
Uh, well, by the time this goes out, the third uh, part of our Spinebreaker record will be up. So instead, uh, for those of you not watching the video version, Lolis is voguing for some reason to put me off. Um, <laughs> we've got more Dungeon Breaker, which is our D&D series coming up. Um, we have got some top tips on how to use Tabletop Simulator more effectively. Uh, we've got a Let's Play of Lawyer Up, which I teased in last week's episode, which we've still not released. Um, and what else is going on, Lolis? Is that about it? We're doing a live painting stream. Of course we are. Well, no, we will have done by the time this podcast goes out. This, yes, this, we shall have done. This coming week, we'll be doing a live stream where we play a game. We don't know what game it is yet. We'll let you know. How about the, the actual website? Dicebreaker.ac.uk forward slash gov.edu. Dicebreaker.zone. Is .pizza a URL? I hope so. Okay, we're going to register Dicebreaker.pizza. Please do. Um, That'd be amazing. Oh my god, I really want pizza, pizza now. Yeah. Dicebreaker.lasagna, yeah. Oh, Dicebreaker. Yeah. Oh, Dicebreaker. no. <laughs> uh, yeah. On dicebreaker.garfield.ac.uk forward slash gov, um, <laughs> we have, uh, we'll have some features and reviews coming up. I can't say exactly what they are just yet because um, things have been thrown out of whack a little bit. Uh, but we already up on the site. We have um, we have a feature looking at the kind of rise of the roll and write. Um, oh, so I love the roll and write. Yeah, I'm gonna really good, right? I'm gonna read the mm, out of this. The... <laughs> yeah, so it's it's going through from like Yahtzee, which was kind of the first roll and write. <gasps> I love Yahtzee. To... Sorry, <laughs> I can't tell if you if this is a bit or not. <laughs> no, I love it. But uh, yeah, so it goes through from like Yahtzee, which was kind of, you know, set the template for all of that stuff through to like the modern kind of like the last few years. There's been just a lot of roll and writes mm. like Corinth and Railroad Inc. and all sorts like Ganshon Clever and Doppelt So Clever. That's and quite that. clever. So many good ones. Quinto. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's my favorite. Oh, Quinto. My, my goodness. Uh, so yeah, that uh, that features up already uh, for everyone to read. It's a very fine piece by Jeremy Signal. So yeah, I would recommend it. Uh, last week we put up a piece. I'm going to replug it though because it's a very good piece, looking at Hero Quest, which was kind of like I don't think it was the very first dungeon crawler because there was a D and D board game way mm. back in the 70s and 80s. But it's kind of the biggie when it comes to like influential. You know, you see its DNA in things like Gloomhaven. You see it in things like Imperial Assault. Uh, kind of. There's a modern, like, dungeon crawlers. Again, one of those things where there are just so many, as me and kind of said earlier, there's, like, a dungeon crawler for every day of the week and then some. <laughs> um, but Nick Rubin did a fantastic piece looking back at Hero Quest and chatting with Isaac Childress, who made Gloomhaven, and James uh, Hewitt, who made uh, Warhammer Quest Silver Tower, and Jonathan Ying, who made Imperial Assault, and kind of running through why Hero Quest was such a big deal and why people still love it. Also, there's an incredible, extremely like late 80s, early 90s advert for Hero Quest in that piece. And wow, yeah, boy, it is. It's one of those. It's very, it's very, yeah, very that. Uh, yeah, and then we should also have a piece uh, going up this week, uh, which should hopefully be up by the time you read this, on the kind of third-party creators making stuff for D&D and other role-playing games and kind of uh, making a career out of it on things like Patreon. So making like unofficial models or map packs or scenarios, but doing this as a career. And there's so many people interested in D&D and TRPGs at the moment that, you know, they're able to just do it 
and sustain a living off it, which is uh, really fantastic uh, from Luke Winky. And then, yeah, we'll have daily news and all the rest of it. So, yeah. Mm. So between yep. video and the website, we got a lot, a lot coming up. Yeah. Good times ahead. Do and hey, there's also Dungeon Breaker, which we uh, wrapped up our latest arc. Yeah. Well, yeah. Which, uh, well, yeah. yeah. Wrapped up is, is, is a loose. Things came to a head. <laughs> that, yes, and Mace did, I believe. And that's what started this whole scenario. It'll be fine. Don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. That, that was feels a very like good a film fun. where you're like, how did I end up here? Well, let me tell you, audience. <laughs> Freeze frame, record scratch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to continuing that. But uh, if folks are looking to catch up, there is a, a whole playlist full of that stuff. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Loads to watch. You need to, if you haven't watched it yet, you need to, because you need yes. to be aware of Tim the Goblin. Yeah. If you're not aware of Tim the Goblin, you're not living your life to the fullest. <laughs> wow. Exactly. I mean, I like to think I'm not, uh, like, Tim's not the only reason to watch I mean, He's you, you, can, you can think that all you want, me, and it doesn't make it any less true. It's, uh, the whole cast is wonderful. We're all great. But Tim the Goblin yeah. is a star. So that's uh, Tim the Goblin and Friends on YouTube.com forward slash Dicebreaker. Tune in now. I think we should have a crossover. Dicebreaker.tim forward slash Goblin forward slash Lasagna. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, should we let these uh, people Tim go? Tim the Goblin met Garfield. Yeah. Let's let them go. Oh, one final uh, exciting tease is that we should hopefully... Hopefully, by the time you hear this, if not, very soon afterwards, have an online merch shop. <gasps> uh, live, Ooh, yes. uh, which we'll be putting out more details about once it's live. I can't promise it will be live by the time this podcast goes up, um, but it should be live in the next week or so. So look out for that. If you like the Wood for Sheep shirts that pop up, along with uh, Luck Be a Lady, mm-hmm. which is an incredible shirt design, um, and some other bits of merch, some of which are brand new. <gasps> Oh my god, I'm so, so excited. It, there's some there's some exciting stuff in there. There's some real good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so excited. So yeah, uh, look out for that. We will put details in the the normal places, dicebreaker.com, at joindicebreaker, and so on. But that is episode three of the Dicebreaker podcast. Thank you so much for joining me, Johnny Chiodini. You are more than welcome. I hope we didn't Revenge of the Sith it. Thank you for joining me, Alex Meehan. Oh, I would say Revenge of the Sith was the better outcome. Certainly better than Godfather 3. Yeah. Uh, let's end the podcast there. And thank <laughs> you so much, Alex Lowley, is making your first and <laughs> let's see about future appearance. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I feel like you landed with a... You came on, you defended Monopoly, you... you I don't know. You'd said other things of questionable... Questionable. Dang. So of course you'll be back on. It's been wow. fantastic. She's going to go on the naughty lovely. step. Apparently, yeah, you, so apparently you can only come onto this podcast if you have the same opinion as everyone else in the world. No, you just have to have a good opinion. <laughs> the burns. I need to go. Sorry, I need to go and like look after these burns. Yeah, fair. Well, thank you, fair. Matt Jarvis, for being here and for hosting. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you to the listeners Yay. for listening. Uh, and have a lovely day. Hey!